Hi, hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of a Colts podcast, podcast, not broadcast, crikey, brought to you by <laughs> FanNationOnSI.com. My name is Brandon Moses, and I'm joined here by your co-host, my best friend, Ryder, for FanNationOnSI.com, recently credentialed media member, Andrew Moore. How you doing today, sir? Not too bad, man. Another week closer to training camp. You and I are going to uh, have quite a bit of fun this weekend at my bachelor party. So looking looking forward to that. But yeah, now it's now it's it, we're we're two weeks away from today. Uh, the veterans reporting for for Colts training camp, and then they're going to get after it. I think this is going to be a very intense, a very focused group heading into training camp. And we talked about the offense last week. And talk some some defense this week. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Uh, you know what they say, Andrew. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Unfortunately, we're going to Gatlinburg, so we got to be <laughs> careful this weekend. I'm uh, gonna drink some moonshine. Gonna drink some beers. Oh yeah. Uh, gonna go whitewater raft. We're gonna have a hell of a weekend. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing fine. I'm excited for training camp to start. I'm excited for uh, football to get started. I don't like to wish away the summer. Uh, as you know, because I do enjoy my summer. I love the heat. Don't I hate the cold. Um, so don't want to wish away the summer, but I am excited for football as usual as this time of year rolls around. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's dig right into it after we talk about uh, how everybody should go follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at a Colts podcast uh, to keep up on not only when the show is going to be, you know, on and going, but also just, you know, some news. Uh, so if we're not one of your followed places uh, on those sites, please feel free to join us. We follow a lot of people back. Yeah, most of the time. Not everybody. Not everybody. Follow some people back. Um, all right. So, Andrew, Colts 2022 season preview. Moving along from the offense last week to the defense this week. Uh, new scheme. But I imagine with the players on this football team and uh, Gus Bradley as a coordinator, priority is going to be the same. We want to take football away from the other team. Oh, absolutely. The priority is still going to be forcing those turnovers. I mean, you, when you have Darius Leonard at the center of your defense, that's always going to be your, your priority. Chris Ballard, that's how he's built this Colts team and this Colts defense is to acquire guys that take the football away and have a nose for the football. And, and even though Matt Eberflus is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears, Gus Bradley comes in to be the defensive coordinator that's not going to change. The Colts are still going to want to force turnovers. The Colts are going to place a high priority on getting after the quarterback and creating pressure. And, and they're going to be an all-out effort-based defense. So as, as far as that's concerned, you won't see any changes. You may see a little bit more man-to-man -man in Gus Bradley's system. Uh, you may see a little bit more of the defensive ends lining up in those wide nine positions, really pinning their ears back to go get the quarterback. I think those are going to be some of the main differences you see, and I think it'll be pretty evident. Uh, if you're at training camp, you'll see that in the 11-on-11 11 11 sessions, but I think you'll see that in the preseason right away, seeing those the the, the pass rushers really get after it, a little bit more man-to-man, -man, still a lot of zone, and then lastly, that, that single high safety that Gus Bradley really likes to run. Yeah, and uh, like you said, with Darius Leonard in the center of the of this defense, um, 
I don't see the you know the old peanut punch going anywhere. I don't see guys um, in our secondary honestly uh, deciding that they don't care about turnovers very much anymore. So um, I'm excited to see what we can do in a different scheme. I think um, I think the the way we're going to attack the quarterback is going to create opportunities for more turnovers for the secondary because we're going to have quarterbacks rushing passes. We're going to have quarterbacks making bad decisions. Uh, hopefully, ideally. Uh, and that's going to create opportunities for the linebackers and the secondary to get things done. Um, and I think, uh, I think Colts cause uh, three to four fumbles of Derrick Henry this year. What do you think? Three to four of Derrick Henry alone. I mean, I certainly would not be opposed to seeing King Henry put the ball on the ground three or four times in, in two appearances. But yeah, I do. Hey, I you do. know what? Maybe playoffs. Maybe playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I, I this this defense is still at its at its core all about creating those turnovers and giving the ball back to the offense an offense that now has Matt Ryan at the helm that can really take advantage of those turnovers handing a ball off to Jonathan Taylor having a a wide receiver on the outside like Michael Pittman in a weapon like that the the Colts I think are in a better position on offense to really take advantage of those turnovers that the defense yeah. forces now are the Colts going to turn over close to or going to generate close to 40 turnovers again yeah that, that i'm not sure if they'll they'll reach that high of a number but but you can expect them to be towards the top of the league as far as generating turnovers is concerned so that's interesting uh that you bring that up while we're talking about the defense and we didn't bring it up last week when we were talking about the offense just what is the offense going to do with the ball uh when all these turnovers are created ideally uh, and I feel like that's a little more in depth and something we'll talk about more as the season progresses. We talk about points, you know, off the of turnovers quite a bit. Um, hopefully we're a little better in that category this year. Uh, I don't even care if it's field goals. I just want first downs and some points uh, after we get some turnovers. Uh, let's talk about the addition of Yannick and Gakwe, Andrew. How important was that in addition? Um you know, looking back at this point, what you're hearing about Yannick, how do you feel about that trade that sent Rocky Sin away? Um, and this is a guy that you were not a fan of. This is a, this is a guy you were not a big fan of uh, of originally. So I'm interested to see how you're feeling after uh, you know mini camp and whatnot. Yeah, and I I wasn't a too big of a fan of Yannick Ngakwe, especially a couple years ago when when he was demanding a, a bigger contract rather than just kind of keeping his nose to the grindstone and and really really putting forth that effort. And I think I think it's kind of shown it as far as like Yannick Ngakwe's attitude or maybe his his when he got into that public spat with the <laughs> with the owner's son when he was in when he was in Jacksonville. I mean, he's gone from Jacksonville to Minnesota. Didn't to he have Baltimore. a public issue with Kirk Cousins too? I'm not sure if he had an issue with Kirk Cousins or not, but at, at that time, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. No, it was somebody else had a public issue with Kirk Cousins that left the team and then came back and had to apologize. I, that sounds very familiar. I forget who it was, but I don't think it was Yannick. But anyways, Either way, carry or, on. Or, or Yannick, excuse me. So in Gawkway, so he's gone from from the Jaguars to Minnesota, then to Baltimore, then to Las Vegas, and now with Indianapolis. So there's a reason that he's bouncing around from from team to team. And and I think a little bit older in Gawkway, and, and just kind of hearing him speak this offseason, 
I think that's I think that's resonated with him. So I'm excited to see what he does. I think he's going out to prove that he can be an elite pass rusher in this league. He's been awfully productive in his time in the NFL. I think I think in six seasons, I think the lowest amount of sacks he's ever had is eight. I mean, I mean, I wish stats Matt were here tonight to correct me if I'm wrong, but it's either six or eight. So the, the guy produces when he's on the field. And, and I think it's just going to be huge for this Colts team because what was the biggest thing lacking for this Colts defense last year? It was their inability to go after and sack the quarterback. And, and I think with Ngakwe over on that, on that right side, playing in that Leo role lined out wide, Gus Bradley's just going to have him pin his ears back and go get the quarterback. And then you got, we'll talk about DeForest Buckner in a bit. He's in the middle. Could he pay on the other side? That the attention that that's is still going to need to be focused on those guys. That's going to give Ngakwe more opportunities to really go after the quarterback, kind of similar to what he had last year when Max Crosby was getting all the attention. Ngakwe still went out and had 10 sacks. So definitely yeah. a double-digit sack guy that 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 the Colts desperately need. And we have to remember this as well, that he's only on a one-year deal. He only has one year left on his contract. So he is playing for something, and, and it could be another contract with the Colts. could be somewhere else. But I'm sure, nice. I'm sure he wants to go out there and show that he can be a dominant pass rusher, and why not do it for Indianapolis? Speaking of pass rushers, Will, I by the way, ecstatic about a guy like Yannick. Um, he's kind of one of those star power players that we're always clamoring after during an off season. Right. And I'm always like, Andrew, what if we go get this guy? And you're like, Brandon, shut the hell up. You know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, and we did it this year. So um, I'm excited to see how a guy like him and uh, Stefan Gilmore can, can perform on this team. I'm, I'm excited to see that Chris Ballard now feels all right. The core of this team is solid enough to start bringing guys like this in. So I'm excited to see how they perform. Yeah, and I want to kind of talk about the move as well because, I mean, Rocky Sin was no slouch. He had become the Colts' best outside corner. He had a great year last year. <laughs> Mind-boggling last year. I mean, he was he was pretty good. And and the fact that the Colts gave up Yassine for Ngakwe, that tells me a couple of things. Number one, I don't think the Colts were, were going to pay Yes, in after after this upcoming season. So try to get something rather than just letting him walk in free agency. Number two, I think that just shows how how much of a premium the Colts put on rushing the passer during this offseason, as far as they needed to get not only someone that can go out there and get the quarterback, yeah. they need a star power to go out and get the quarterback. And, and I would say Ngakwe is up there as, as one of the best pass rushers of the league, maybe not sack number-wise as far as getting 15 to 20 sacks a season like a TJ Watt or a Miles Garrett or one of the Bosta brothers, but he's a guy that will be consistently back there creating pressure on the quarterback and that's yeah. really what the Colts need as well is is just consistent pressure to make the quarterbacks uncomfortable back there yep. I agree uh sorry your mouth is behind your voice your uh internet connection is a 10 out there in Harlan today Andrew awesome uh so you know apologies anyone watching this shit show um <laughs> but yeah I agree I'm, I'm super excited about that and speaking of pass rush Andrew quitty pay We've talked about it a lot. <clears throat> Getting closer to the season, we're going to talk about it more. We're going to talk about it when the season starts. Is Quiddy Pay going to take the next step? 
Okay, it's only his second year. It's not like we need him to be Yannick Ngakwe, I guess. I don't, you know what I mean? We don't need him to be a 15, 20 sack guy. Like you said, if he, if he is wonderful. Um, but we we think, I think, uh, he's going to take a step in. People are going to be talking about him going, this dude's causing problems for, going to cause problems for our offense. This dude's going to demand extra attention. My bold prediction, one of my bold predictions Ooh. for this year, Quiddy Pay at least, at least doubles his his sack for, as as Brad Rear says. Oh, Brad, thank you, that media come. Because that's exactly who it is. I'm so yeah. sorry, Andrew, but Brad, Brad got me there. Brad, a, a co-worker of mine, shout out okay. to you for watching this show. Ooh. But uh, but yeah, I, I, my bold prediction is Quiddy Pay at least doubles his sack production from his rookie year. He he didn't have a sack the first eight games of the season, and then those la- that last half of the year, that's when he got all four of his sacks. That's when you saw his his pressure rate just skyrocket. The game was slowing down for Quiddy Pay during those last yeah. eight weeks of the year. It's kind of like you uh, saw with Jonathan Taylor's rushing game at the end of his rookie season. We could see it. We talked about it. We're like, it seems to be slowing down. He's starting to see the holes. This guy's going to be an animal. Yeah, absolutely. And it. I think we're just going to see that that step that a lot of pass rushers in year two, Robert Mathis has talked about this, about just how hard it is for, for rookie pass rushers to come in and and, and really make a, a huge impact early because of the speed of the game, the strength and, and the technique of the offensive tackles that you're facing week in and week out it takes a little time to get used to. So that's why I think Quiddy Pay for how hard as he has worked this offseason, and believe me, yeah. from everything I've heard, that kid really hasn't taken a break since 2021 ended. He's been consistently working on his game. Quiddy Pay is out there, really set to to I think make a big impact and and like I said, get at least eight sacks this year, but also just just being in that role finally where he doesn't have to kind of think things through and play the run, which he was asked to do. Once again, last year, yeah. Matt Eberflus defense. This time, you can pin his ears back. Gus Bradley's going to say, hey, Quiddy, your sole job is to go affect the quarterback. And I think we're going to see a much more aggressive Quiddy pay and, and really a guy that the defenses aren't are going to have to put resources towards. Otherwise, he's going to wreck the game. And Kyle mentions, uh, you know, who's going to be the primary backup to Ngakwe. And I think that's probably going to be another guy that we are curious if he's going to take another step. Is Dio the guy that's going to be, uh, you know, stepping up if Ngakwe is off the field or do you see somebody else in that spot? Well, why can't it be Quiddy Pay? Quiddy Pay always... move over and, and Dio take his spot type exactly. deal? Exactly. You move Quiddy Pay over to the Leo spot, and then and then Dio Dangbo can fill in the big end spot over on the left side. And then if Quiddy needs to come out, Dio can be over there. If both of them need to come out, I mean, Dio can play on that side. You, you talk about Tyquan Lewis, Ben Banigou, which he's still at the very end of the depth chart. He, he, could, he could see some run depending on how, how, how it's going. But yeah, I mean, just because Ngakwe, comes out doesn't mean that someone has to go in that spot that's on the bench you can move quitty pay on over there that's that position versatility along the defensive line for quitty pay that he can play yeah. multiple positions and and he fits in both of those roles in the gus bradley defense sounds like a lot of versatility uh options are going to be available uh, along the defensive line 
uh, and throughout this defense. Um, Buckner and Stewart, Andrew, you think are poised for sneaky good years. Could that have anything to do with what Wyatt Law just said in the uh, chat here? The D-line room, incredibly, lo incredibly loaded. Don't sleep on our two rookie D-tackles, Johnson and Brooks. Both are excellent athletes that can wreck QBs. Having guys like that that can come in and give people like DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart a little bit of a break throughout a game, you think that has an impact on the overall impact of Buckner and Stewart's here? I think it could a little bit, but I think what what's going to be more impactful is is the attention that Ngakwe and Pay are going to generate because I mean it's we we always talk about how Ngakwe is going to take attention away and and Buckner are going to take attention away from Pay. But the same could be said about about Buckner that that if Pay starts to wreck the game, they're going to want to dedicate more attention over onto the outside. Yeah. Are you really going to want to face DeForest Buckner one on one there in the middle of the offense or the defensive line offensive line? Absolutely not. So that's why I think when you're when you're talking about that, but that's why I think Buckner could could see a, a jump in pressures. Certainly, uh, he's already typically an eight sack a year guy, which you love to see. And then when all all four of them are on the field. Grover Stewart's the odd man out. So if you're going to focus your attention on Ngakwe, focus your attention on Buckner, focus yeah. your attention on Pay, I mean, Grover Stewart could still get it done. He's one of the best nose tackles in the entire NFL. So this this defensive line is just filled with so much potential. And and I think with with new defensive line coach Ed uh, or Nate Ollie in there really focusing on an attacking front and and telling these guys that to go and get the quarterback i think we're going to see a much more aggressive defensive line than we've seen in in years past for this indianapolis colts team certainly since frank reich became the head coach all right uh darius leonard's health a cause for concern andrew this is something i talked about a few weeks back Keep saying he's going to be fine. Keep saying yeah, this is the best I felt. Keep saying he's going to be fine. Then there's another lingering issue. But he gets back fast. It's okay because he always comes back fast. No, that's still lingering. It's an issue. And my thought is, hey, make this kid sit on his ass until it's better and then let him start to play. He really pushes it in rehab. Um, what's the latest on the health of Darius Leonard? So as of right now, we haven't really heard much of an update on Darius Leonard since since minicamp ended. But I think I think I'm kind of in the same boat that you are here in that while while I do believe Darius Leonard can come back at this point, I want to see it first. I really do because I mean back injuries, no matter how minor it is, that they're serious, and yeah. and combine that with the fact that this ankle injury has lasted for as long as it has. And granted fixing the back issue should help get the ankle to feel back to 100% and, and function properly again, but I want to see it. And that's one of the main things that I'm going to be looking for when I'm down there at, in Westfield here in a few yeah. weeks is Darius Leonard isn't starting out training camp. I want to see it so see him so when he does come back, I want to see the movement there on the field. I want to see how that ankle is doing. And and then he was maybe, slow to start the year last year. He was slow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was because that ankle was really affecting him. And it took a while for, for that ankle to, to to really get back. And we saw throughout the year him getting a little bit faster and it not affecting him as much. 
Right. But at the same time, I mean, I, I at this point, I want to see it. I want to see it to believe it. And that's one of the main things that I'm going to be watching down there at training camp is just how big, how, how much this ankle, this back is really affecting him. And it, it, when he does come back, whether it is at the start of camp, whether it's towards the end of camp, hell, we might not be, even see him at all. But if he is out there, I want to see how he's doing before I feel 100% comfortable with Darius Leonard to start the 2022 season. All right, and questions are surrounding the cornerback position. Andrew Gilmore, is he going to be dominant? Kenny Moore's contract situation. Rodgers versus Faison. Let's talk about it. Gilmore, how do you? How much do you think he has left in the tank? I think he's got enough. Now, do I think he's going to no. be defensive player of the year? Probably not. Does he need to be defensive player of the year? Probably not. Shut down I mean, corner? Probably not. Yeah, because, again... I really don't envision the Colts having Stefan Gilmore follow the number one wide receiver all over the field. I really yeah. don't. I think they're going to have him stick to that one side of the field, probably the left side of the defense, and, and just cover that area, whether it is in the zone, kind of let him use more of his instincts to make plays on the ball. And, and while he's not probably the defense, the uh, defensive player of the year that he was with the Patriots, I mean, the dude's still went to a pro bowl last year. He's still a pro bowl level cornerback and the best outside cornerback the Colts have had since Vontae Davis almost 10 years ago at this point. Oh, so <laughs> a guy that hell of an interview, if you want to listen to his voice, but I, I think <laughs> Stefan Gilmore can get it done. I do. I think he can be dominant. We'll have to see. I certainly hope so, but I think he's more than capable of being a solid, a really, really good number one corner for the Colts on the outside. And Kenny Moore's contract, I mean, we had a whole episode dedicated to this, basically, so we don't need to spend much time on it, but nothing new on this front from what I've heard. Colts are going to pay him what they're paying him. He's going to play, and that's probably going to be what happens this season. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think a new contract is coming for Kenny Moore this offseason or before the season no. starts. I think there's a good chance that it could come next offseason. We'll try to, try to extend him and, and get him to as far as pay where he thinks he he deserves but the colts number one don't want to set that precedent of of paying guys before their contract is up because yeah. that could that could start a domino effect as we go along and right. and I, I don't see kenny Moore being the type of guy that that sits out a season or or oh. training camp or, or games because of a contract issue. So I don't think those are going to be a resolution coming anytime soon, but I also don't think this is going to be a distraction going into the season. Uh, Rogers versus facing it. My first initial instinct is, you know, that Chris Ballard says, Hey, that's my guy. You understand? That's one of my guys. We're going to play one of my guys. Um, but if Faison puts up a fight in camp here, it's going to be an interesting situation. I think as of right now, I think Rogers is the favorite to start Yeah, on the opposite side of Gilmore, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily because Ballard is saying that's my guy. I think Rogers is legitimately winning the battle straight sure. up because in, in mini camp and, and throughout the spring, 
Rodgers, it seems like, was making a play on the ball every single day. I mean, we've seen yeah. it. He's a guy that, that isn't afraid of anybody. He's got lightning speed, so if he does make a mistake in coverage, it seems like most of the time he can catch up and, and recover on that. And he's just continued to work his butt off, and, and now he's got that opportunity. Since Rockison is gone, it's he's got that opportunity to be that full-time starter on the op, on the outside opposite of Gilmore. I think now he's he's in the lead, but Faison has starting experience. He was with the Raiders last year. He was with the Chargers before that when Gus Bradley was with the Chargers. So he's a Gus Bradley guy. Gus Bradley yeah. really likes what he can bring. He's a taller, longer corner. Isaiah Rogers is a little bit shorter. So we'll have to see who wins out in the end. It's probably one of my favorite competitions to watch come training camp. And I'll be real clear. I didn't mean that in a way that Chris Ballard, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like that Rogers wasn't going to earn it. I just, you know, like if there's some tipping point here, right? If it's that close, Chris Ballard's guy's probably going to get the edge there, but we'll see. Um, that entire secondary is is interesting and young for the most part um in the electric young safety duo and blackman across uh by the way blackman and rogers drafted the same year uh i mean this could be so interesting uh coming up this year yeah absolutely and and Number one, let's start with with Julian Blackman. Julian Blackman, as my mother saying hello, watching the podcast, yeah, love to see it. Julian Blackman, a guy that tore his Achilles last year, and he's on pace to be ready, full go for training camp. Only about nine months after he has torn that Achilles, and and in many camp he looked pretty solid. So, Julian Blackman continuing to to defy how the normal body heals not only yeah. with with this but then with his acl a couple years ago going and, into his rookie season we didn't know how early we'd see him and we saw him quick right and, and i think we've talked about this quite a bit where ballard has said when they drafted julian blackman they saw all pro potential in him and and i think this this style of defense really suits blackman because he can roam the center of the field he can use his instincts to make plays on the ball and use that that speed to, yeah. to really close in now obviously we're going to have to see how the achilles is because it, it it does take some time to get your explosiveness back so that that's definitely a a concern but I think Blackman, as far as he's shown throughout his career, he's a great healer, and he comes back just as good as he was, if not a little bit better. And then Nick Cross, this guy, the opportunity that he has in front of him, going from a guy that was probably going to play sporadically this year to now possibly being a day-one starter with Kari Willis retiring just a couple months ago. And, and I mean, we we if you watch with the next pick, you saw Ballard ask his guys if he was coming out next year in the draft, where would we take him? And they said the second round. So they, they had no problem yeah. trading up into the third round this year to go and grab him. And the way he 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 has a nose for the ball, he's a guy that can fly around the field, does not shy away from tackles, and can play in the box. I think he's like six one over two hundred pounds. He's he's built like a safety, a, a bigger, taller. Bob Sanders. I think Bob Sanders was a little bit heavy, and I'm not saying they, they play similar, but the Colts are hoping that, that that he can bring that same electric atmosphere to this defense. And I think with the way Gus Bradley uses his safety specifically, he's going to use Nick Cross all over the field, whether it's deep, whether it's in the box, whether it's in the slot. Nick Cross is going to be a weapon for the defense. 
And Nomadic Brian says, send everybody sacks, baby. That's my mentality on Madden. I'm not very good at the game. Uh, so I think the last time I played Brandon and Madden, it was uh, 42 to 7 before he shut off the Xbox. Is that right? That's probably true. <laughs> but, you know, I do what I can. Uh, I definitely buy him this year. Definitely buying Madden this year uh, just for the uh, John Madden cover. 100%. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I, who knows I'm, if I'll, I'll play think it. about it. I'll think about it. You already said you're going to buy it on the show. I would, but seeing the early reviews of like the beta, not great. Not great. You have to have that. You got to buy a physical copy, and you got to have the case. You just have to. I might have it right on the wall behind me in a couple weeks. Uh, all right. Other Colts news, Andrew. Apparently, and I don't, before, I don't know. Real quick, before before we go to other Colts news, last week you said that you weren't as high on this Colts defense as as maybe some other people. Why I don't know, that? man. I'm telling you what. I'm getting to that point of the season, the offseason, where we talk about it so much that I hype myself up, and I'm like, shit, everybody's going to be good. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, we're going to be top five in every, in every aspect. And breaking it down position by position there, Andrew, and and and, and position group by position group, shit. <laughs> Special teams ain't going to be bad. We know that special teams under Bubba always good. Wish I had a we go into the ship sound effect. You know what I'm saying? This Colts team has a lot of potential, and I think if if there is the last two years, if there is a downfall, it's it's got to be the health of Darius Leonard. I think that's really the major concern. And if Darius isn't 100, percent can he will this defense to how to how it was last year? I don't know if if and even as great as he is. I just don't know if he has it in him, especially with the back surgery, the ankle, any other ailments that might come up. But if Darius Leonard is healthy, this is a top five defense. I fully believe it. A lot of plays that Darius made last year were about being in the right place at the right time and knowing it it, it was his brain. You know, the whole first six games probably. Uh, I think it took about six games before you and I said, okay, it looks like Darius is moving again. Looks like mm-hmm. it's not just instinct, but he's flying across the field again. Um, so I think there's still hope, even if he's not completely healthy. Uh, but yeah, I, I would agree with you. That would cause a real problem. Injuries to the corner position could cause problems. Um, you know, and, and that's that's the wild card there is is injuries. And, and we, we can't predict it. There's no way to. Uh, as long as Matt Ryan's healthy, I think we got a shot. It's going to be a fun year. I can't wait to get down there training camp in Listen, two weeks Brian, from tomorrow. Listen here, Brian. Maybe you weren't here earlier. Uh, maybe you missed the episode uh, where we talked about this, but sure, his procedures are great. He's feeling better. Good sign he will heal on time. That's all things PR departments say, you know, until until Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, and Darius to say, right? But we've seen evidence that he's rushed through recovery before we've seen evidence of it it it, that and the evidence is lingering issues okay and they can say oh they cleared it up this time they cleared it up this time they cleared it up this time well until i see it i don't give a shit i i really don't i don't care what chris says i don't care what frank says i don't care what darius says 
don't don't care till I see it. We've all seen a, uh, a lower body injury to a superstar Colt have a uh, yeah rippling effect for the organization. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Right. Amen, Craig. We always have a shot in my opinion because I'm always bleeding blue. Amen, brother. Um. All right. Other Colts news? Other Colts news. So interesting thing, of course, this is the first time I'm reading it because I don't watch ESPN. Uh, the Colts that are listed in ESPN's top 10 rankings by position, HM is going to be honorable mention. That's probably just a note for me. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, and while we're, while we're reading the notes, we're going to debate each one on whether each ranking is fair or not. Uh, since I'm breaking it down for everybody, Darius Leonard, number one linebacker in the league, Andrew, or in his specific linebacker position. Number one off-ball linebacker. So this is, an including, this is an including edge rushers. Edge rushers have their own specific category. Okay. But the league census is that Darius Leonard is the number one linebacker in the league right now. I think Micah Parsons was number two, and Fred Warner was number three, if I remember correctly. But how can you not say Darius Leonard is the number one linebacker? I wish after, they would have said somebody else was number one. After a season last year, I mean – all the turn the first team all pro pro bowler i think it was eight fumbles forced he had uh, like four interceptions three fumble recoveries just and on all of it on a bum ankle too so when you put all that together the league has taken notice what we've known for a long time darius leonard is the number one linebacker in the league hey i wish they would have put him at number two i'm always i always love when somebody makes him hungry you know what i'm saying i don't um, think he's never not hungry I mean, he's got to win MVP before he finally feels like he something's been justified. If he wins MVP, he may retire. Um, <laughs> I hope not. He's so good at football. <laughs> he's pretty good at football. Quentin Nelson, number one interior offensive lineman. Duh. Even after the injuries last year, and in, in the in, and honestly, probably his worst year um, in the NFL. Still oh, yeah. number one. I mean, in my piece that I released today, kind of previewing the interior offensive lineman depth chart for the Colts, Quentin Nelson by far had his worst season, according to Pro Football Focus, his worst graded season since he entered the NFL. And dealing with the foot injury before before the season even started, the lingering back issues all season, and the high ankle sprain that caused him to miss his first game action in his NFL career, Think of all that, and he was still elected as a second-team All-Pro, still went to the Pro Bowl. And then this spring, fast forward a little bit to this spring, when we talked to Quentin Nelson, he said, my body's feeling good. This is the first offseason I haven't had a surgery in my NFL career. The back feels fine. That can all continue. I think Quentin Nelson is back to his dominant ways in 2022. Yeah. Uh, my next one, this is my favorite one. This is the fun debate, right? Jonathan Taylor, number two running back in the league. Here's the thing. I don't think the media is going to give Jonathan Taylor the credit he's due unless he just smokes the shit out of Derrick Henry when they both play a full season, but the numbers don't lie. Okay. Yards per carry. Okay. It, it doesn't matter if Derrick Henry has more yards if he runs 7,500 more times a season. You know what I mean? I work in sales, right? Okay, and I have a boss that says, I don't care if you have, you know, I'd much rather have somebody that converts 
more sales on fewer leads than have somebody that sells more overall but burns through a bunch of leads because those leads cost money. Okay, mm -hmm. those leads cost money. So all those ones that we burn through, if you don't convert those, I don't care if you sold more, if you're also burning through leads, okay? So Jonathan Taylor, I don't care that Derrick Henry has sold more yards if it's taking more of a toll on his body through carries, a.k.a. leads, okay? We want conversion. We want Jonathan Taylor to convert those carries he's getting for more yards because that's more effective, okay? But at the end of the day, the media is dumb. We're, here we are talking, right? Uh, well, here, listen. So it wasn't the media that came up with these rankings. ESPN surveyed over 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players, and they're the ones that came up with this list. Okay. But your, your point remains true. Correct. Is that... And, and it's tough because, I, well, well, we're the Titans aren't simply aren't our favorite team, and and we do have maybe some prejudice toward Jonathan Taylor. Neither one of us is going to sit here and deny that Derrick Henry isn't a great running back. I mean, Derrick Henry. No, yeah, I'm not shitting on Derrick Henry. Absolutely not. Derrick Henry is the sole reason that that offense can can even do anything most weeks. So that's yeah. why I think I think. I wish they would have shown, I think even in the article, I'll have to go back and read it, but I think Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor tied as far as first place votes. Sure. But as the cumulative score, Derrick Henry won okay. by that. So that's, that just okay. kind of shows you, though, how close those guys are. I think Jonathan Taylor could very well do it this year, though, hey. because it's he might not have 1800 yards and 20 touchdowns like he did a year before he could still get 1600 yards and maybe about 15 touchdowns and still show that he's getting better as as yeah. as the years go along um he's he's just not going to be in the lead for yards this year it's just it's just not going to happen um and that's okay that's a good thing right most it can be a good thing but I'd much rather way, Jonathan Taylor not be used as much in the regular season, finish like yeah. third or fourth in rushing, and then, and in then the playoffs, dominate in the postseason. Yes. Absolutely. By the way, top tier metaphor I just used with my sales and the running game. Just saying. Look at you. I that was top tier stuff. Uh, DeForest Buckner, number four defensive tackle. That's fair based on last year. I would say. Um, Overall, do I believe that? No, maybe three or two. Uh, but we all we all know who number one is. We all know who number one is. Aaron Donald, number one. Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans was number two. Chris Jones of Kansas City was three, and Buckner was four. Buckner Fine. was Buckner was three last year behind Donald and Jones. So Jeffrey Simmons enters that that conversation, and I think it's because Jeffrey Simmons had a hell of a year last year. He really did. Can't deny him that. Of course, Buckner didn't because nobody else on the line was demanding attention, so he got all of it. There was doubles and triple teams on DeForest Buckner all last year. So kind of gets back to what we were saying earlier. When the attention goes over to Ngakwe, Quiddy Pay takes that next step. More attention goes over to Quiddy Pay. That's going to leave Buckner with more one-on-one -on -one opportunities along the interior of that offensive line. Just pin his ears back and go hunt. Real quick, uh, just Craig, welcome, buddy. I think you're new here. We appreciate you. Thanks for watching and listening. Love the engagement. Uh, if you go back and listen last week, we talk about this 2000 thing. 
uh, for JT. And, and we discussed why that would be a bad thing. If, if Jonathan Taylor hits 2,000 yards, uh, we feel that something's gone terribly wrong. Uh, but if we're winning football games still and, and that's the case, I'm happy to be wrong. Yeah, it's not that we don't think Jonathan Taylor can hit 2,000 yards. We think right. he's more than willing, more than capable of doing that with his talents. But do the Colts need to really run him into the ground just so he reaches that? Exactly. No, the Colts should be able to be more, more dynamic on offense and better in the passing game. Now we're going to move into the HMs, which equal honorable mentions, Andrew. Um, <laughs> Ryan Kelly, honorable mention uh, at the interior offensive line. I... I just don't think probably a lot of centers were on this list outside of honorable mention. If I had to guess, there Still was only on a couple. pretty good. I think Ryan Jensen and Corey Lindsley were the only two centers that were in the top 10. And then honorable mention is, is a couple after the top 10. So I, and then I think that's probably appropriate for Ryan Kelly. Yeah. I think, I don't know if he's one of the best 10 interior offensive linemen, but as far as center goes, I think he's, easily a top five center in the nfl and left guard's a more important position as well left guard i mean right guard you're you're talking about so many people are included yeah. in that interior of the offensive right. line um yeah like jonathan taylor's got a lot less competition right than ryan kelly does in, in regards to this survey uh kenny moore the second honorable mention cornerback um because of that court it's it, he's the slot guy you know, that's what he's dubbed as he's slot corner. So there was not a single slot cornerback or a guy that primarily plays in the slot that was in the top 10 of the cornerback rankings. I think Jalen Ramsey is the, was the one that had the most time in the slot. But the thing is, they moved Jalen yeah. Ramsey all over the field. He was the number one cornerback. So he's an it's, animal. It, he is. I was very glad to see him leave the AFC South. I mean, Absolutely. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, and then Stefan Gilmore, honorable mention at corner. Hey, apparently everybody that voted on this shit thinks he's still got it. I mean, the of, of the names that were mentioned, I think there was about 15, 15 to 20 names at the cornerback position. Colts were the only team that had two of them. And they were both honorable mention, but the only team to have two that were in, in the discussion. So something to you know, think about. And that's an interesting position, Andrew, because it's so important. So everybody's like, hey, you got to have that number one corner, just like a running back, right? Nobody's really as concerned about the number two guy. And we have two corners on that honorable mention list. I think mm -hmm. that's pretty impressive. You know, like just imagine if Naheem Hines was also on the honorable mention list with Jonathan Taylor. on. That wouldn't be surprising. I think that's an interesting thing right there. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, that's that's the end of the the Colts players that have come out so far. I think over the next three days or so, the wide receivers come out. The only one that might mm -hmm. be honorable mention is is Michael Pittman. Yeah, but I still think he's got a, I think he's got a ways to go still, and I think he can do it this year if he has a big. Depends year. on how many honorable mentions they do. Right. I, I think I, but I think he can get close to that top ten category this year. I would say as of right now, he's probably. I would say close to the 20 range, maybe. I think that would be fair. Um, uh, I think offense or tight ends, obviously. Mo Alley Cox probably is getting in that uh, that area. It could be honorable mention, but we'll have to see. And I think that's a little bit high for Mo Alley Cox. Yeah. And then and then the last is offensive tackles. And really, Braden Smith, although he plays right tackle, I think he ha he could have a chance at honorable mention. Yeah, if they splash some right tackles in there, I think he has a shot. 
Uh, let's get to news around the league, Andrew. The Steelers Stadium is going to be named Acrisur Stadium. Acrisur Stadium. Ending two decades as Heinz Field. The ketchup just couldn't make it happen. That's just an awful name for a stadium. Acrisur? Saw Colin I mean, Cowherd did a lot of people shitting on Heinz Field when it started, but now it's like legend, right? But but Heinz Field at least has a flow to it. Acrisure, you can hardly even pronounce the name of it. Heinz just kind of, <laughs> just kind of rolls <laughs> off the tongue. Acrisure, hardly know her. I heard, I heard Colin Cowherd say, "Should it be called the Sure?" And I thought, I mean, that's a pretty dumb nickname too, if you ask me. I'd rather just be called Steelers Stadium. Yeah, but then they don't make any money. Zero money. <laughs> off the, off of the, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And the Patriots have traded wide receiver Nikhil Harry to the Bears for a 2024 seventh-round pick. Nikhil Harry, a former first-round pick of the Patriots and has done jack squat in a Patriots uniform. So Andrew's scared to say shit, guys. Maybe, hey, I'm, I'm keeping it keeping it uh, PG over here. Maybe he'll explicit. have Maybe he'll have success with Justin Fields and the Bears. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. He didn't have. Was he? Was he there with Brady at all? I thought he was there with Brady for, year? for one year. But I mean, he probably the most heard his name too. Which he wasn't was, much. I think. I think he was. If I remember correctly, see, this is why stats Matt needs to quit softball and needs to be here. I thought Nikhil Harry was the pitch. What a pansy. Was the first wide receiver taken in the 2019 draft? The draft that had Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, uh, DK Metcalf, all those guys. And I think Nikhil Harry was was the one of the only first round picks, if not the only first round pick of wide receivers in that draft. All right, everybody, go uh, again. Follow us at a Colts podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we love to interact with you guys on there. It'll be even busier. We'll be busier um, and more active as the season starts up. Um, I know at least I will be. Andrew's on there all day, anyhow. But I'll definitely be more active during the season when uh, things are really cooking. Um, Get that insider info from training camp. So be on the lookout for I'm that. I'm very excited about this. Very excited. Uh, everybody wish me and Andrew well this weekend. Uh, Hopefully I don't die. Listen, when Andrew vomits from a little, from <laughs> a little we, over-intoxication, we don't it's black eyes. And I have photo evidence. It's still his contact photo on my phone. Has been for years. Uh, it's the funniest, one of the funnier photos I have um, on my phone. Uh, Andrew, do you have anything to say in defense of yourself? I mean... We work hard. We play harder. It's going to be a fun time in Gatlinburg, and uh, hopefully I see you next week. Go Colts. All right, go Colts. Let this moment become a cherished memory, and then remember, a legacy is only worthwhile when there is a future to fuel. God bless you, and God bless football.